All right, you guys can have a seat. Uh, Lauren, team, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I don't know how many of you guys are old enough that you knew a lot of the words of that first song without ever hearing it. This is my story. This is my song, right? Blessed assurance. I absolutely love it. Um, I love being able to take uh, some of those old words that have rung so true for us and put them to a new melody, put them to a new sound, and have them sound as fresh as the first time we sang them. So thanks, team, for all that you've done. Um, for those of you who were here last week, it was a great week. Last Sunday after church, we had a grill out. We had some really good food uh, that all of you brought. Uh, I got halfway here last week and remembered that <laughs> I didn't bring anything, and I was like, ah, but there was plenty. So for those of you who left last week feeling like because you didn't bring anything, you couldn't stay, just know you can. Uh, there is freedom in that. There's grace for that. So thank you for everyone who brought stuff. And I just wanted, if you weren't here, I wanted to catch you up a little bit on what we talked about. We talked about where we are as a church and where we're going. And to just kind of sum it up real quickly, where we are is really healthy. We're really strong. Our team, our elders, um, y'all are, are in a great place. And I feel, we feel like we're poised to grow, right? Not necessarily in numbers, but hopefully in numbers. But we're growing with each other. We're strengthening um, who we are. And we're excited about where God's going to take us. We have a really strong mission and vision that we believe in and that we filter everything through. Our mission is to teach and encourage people with the truth of the gospel and the revelation of grace. It's really simple. We want to teach and encourage people. And the way we're going to get this done, the way we're going to accomplish our mission is to be a community, all of us, all of us, to be a community who recognizes that we have received this message of grace, and then we know that the next thing for us to do is to extend it to others. So we really believe in our, our mission and our vision. Um, we're, we're good with the team teaching approach at this point. I think uh, a lot of us, you know, weren't really sure at the beginning. Believe me, a lot of us <laughs> weren't really sure at the beginning, but now we feel confident in it. We feel strengthened and encouraged by it. Um, we're going to continue to be a thoughtful, loving group of people, um, and we presented some ideas about some things that we want to do here. It was just a real quick part of what we talked about. Um, we've talked about the drum cage um, situation here and about kind of making that look a little bit better, and I want to let you know we've got a huge chunk of that already paid for. Um, somebody called this week and just plopped down a big old thing for us. And we've got people who are willing to help us with that. One of the things we talked about was kind of a refresh, rebranding, kind of who we are. Our website needs some updating. That's a chunk of money. We have somebody who called this week who wants to do a matching grant so that we can get that paid for. So things happened even, this, even from the time we were, la we were together last. And we're super excited. And, and we're doing it together. And again, the reason we do all of it, the reason we do all of it, any freshening up of the building, anything like that, uh, working on the sound, I know that's something that we're still working out. The reason we do that is so that our message can get out and so that people can come in and feel welcomed and loved and have a, and have a blast. You're probably more likely to go back somewhere where you're having fun <laughs> than if you're not, right? And speaking of fun, the one last thing that I wanted to let you know that we um, talked about and I did a little research on was a gaga ball pit. 
Now, there was a question about what is Gaga Ball and what is a Gaga Ball pit, and we want that for our youth. And we've got a picture here um, of what a Gaga ball, ball pit is. And basically what it is, it's this little contraption you make. We've made it with tables. This is a blow-up one like we kind of want. And you put a bunch of kids in it, and you give them a dodgeball-type ball, and they throw it at each other. And if the ball touches you, you're out. Now, the reason I found it so fascinating is this. Because I was like, where did they come up like Gaga Ball? Like, where is that? Well, the original Hebrew meaning, I'm not kidding, this is a game that was developed in Israel. The Hebrew meaning is touch, touch. That's how you would translate Gaga, is touch, touch. So as much as we like our Hebrew words and our Greek words and all of that, I'm thinking the Gaga Ball pit is a must for us here at Grace. So anyway, there's my plug for that. Um, moving on. Uh, how many of you guys got a bulletin, and how many of you saw that our title for today is It's Not Fair? Now, I bought this shirt, and I was going to wear it, but as you can see, it's a little bit big, and so I decided to not look frumpy and dumpy and whatever in it, and um, what I'm going to do with it instead is give it away at the end of service to anyone who feels like they might want it. Or need it. Maybe somebody, maybe somebody here today is feeling a little bit like life is not fair. And hopefully by the end of today, we'll be able to turn that life's not fair into something that we celebrate and love and enjoy. So I don't know if I'm going to throw it out at the end of service or maybe you can just come and talk to me and the shirt's yours. But we will uh, get there a little bit later. So for some of us, when we picture it's not fair, it looks like this, right? Yeah! It's not fair. Others of us, when we picture it's not fair, it looks like this. It's not fair. It's not fair. Poor Frodo and having to carry that burdensome ring, right? Or maybe, and I'll tell you, this is how my children hear it's not fair. Maybe we felt like a little mouse dangling at the chops of a lion and the poor mouse all he wants is to feel loved and and cared for and like somebody whatever and the lion's going life's not fair is it right that's how my children feel whenever they say mom that's not fair and of course being the good mother that I am I say sorry life's not fair right but then but then I do, I do follow that up with, and aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that life's not fair? Because if life was based on fairness, we would all be in trouble, wouldn't we? So hopefully by the end of today, we'll be able to come up with life's not fair or it's not fair and be okay with it because we'll be able to say, and aren't you glad? This week, uh, Clark was kind of talking to us and encouraging us about speaking and doing different things, and, and he knows I get a little nervous uh, talking to y'all. And he said, just go with what's on your heart, teach some of what you teach the kids, and you'll be fine. It's like, thanks, Clark. And so that's what we're going to do. Again, once again, we're going to talk about what's stirring in my heart and this whole idea of fair and how to handle it. And some of what I've taught the kids kind of works with it, and so that's what we're going to go this morning. But last week, a couple weeks ago, we were on vacation. We were in Asheville, and I love the mountains. I am much more a mountain girl than I am a beach girl. The beach is all about 
sunscreen and cancer and danger and heat and grossness and sand in places, you know, like yuck. It's not my favorite. The, the mountains, sitting in a chair, wrapped up in a blanket, holding your coffee with the steam coming off of it. That's my jam. And I was able to spend a lot of time um, when I was on vacation reading. And I read, I, I just, I'm always drawn to Acts. I don't know why. I don't know why. I love it. I love the book of Acts. I love knowing that, that the Holy, it's really the actions of the Holy Spirit, right? That's the Acts. And I love how the Spirit works in ones like Peter and then Paul. And I just, I love seeing all that happens and goes on in, in that book. I know what Paul believes based on his letters, and I love seeing it work out in the book of Acts. And so I read Acts, and it, I really read the, the second half, kind of 13 through 27. And I felt like, as I was reading it, um, this idea of, of unfairness kind of kept showing up in these chapters. Paul, uh, before his conversion, had a great job. He was well-educated. And then after his conversion, he gave all of that up to be a foreign missionary, right? <laughs> like he gave it all up and went off, not necessarily to Africa, but all kinds of crazy places for him in those days, right? He, um, he wasn't ever wealthy that we know of. Uh, he did have a job, you know, it says as a tent maker, and yet he relied, he had to rely on financial support as well. So not only did he have to work hard, but he also had to rely on the help of others. And sometimes that's not fair. It feels not fair that, that we have to rely on help from other people. He had a thorn in his flesh, you know, there's some sort of illness um, that we'll talk about a little bit later that God didn't take out, Right? He had some sort of illness. He had arguments with friends, uh, with both Barnabas and um, Peter. <laughs> like, what's that other guy's name? Peter. He had arguments with them to the point where, where they weren't in relationship. They were in, they were in different countries, right? They, and from what we can tell, they didn't really ever reconcile. Um, we hear a little bit about Barnabas in one other place, and it seems like at least they're on talking terms, you know? But Peter, it doesn't ever really say that they ever made up. And who knows why? I mean, maybe it was Peter's fault. He's kind of, or he's kind of a loud mouth, kind of says things that he shouldn't say. Paul was kind of a bully type of a guy in different places. I, who, know, who knows? Who knows why they fought? We don't know. But it seems unfair that the guys <laughs> who were charged with bringing the message of Jesus' resurrection seems weird that they didn't get along, that they didn't reconcile, Right? So we're going we're gonna to rush through some of these other things that happen in um, Acts, and I'm going to pull out a couple stories from Acts, and then I'm, we're going to look at Jesus' parables, and then we'll be done for today. So the first kind of story uh, that I want to uh, remind you of is the story in Acts chapter 13, where Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch, which is a city in Turkey, and they are spreading the message of Jesus' resurrection right? It's wonderful news about forgiveness of sin. It's wonderful news about not only the forgiveness of sin, but the forgiveness of the shame that accompanies it, that the Mosaic law could never touch, right? And Luke writes that everywhere he went, everywhere Paul went, he spoke to the Jews first, and then he spoke to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and then he would talk to anybody who listened, right? And everywhere that he went, he was persuading people to go deeper 
in their understanding of God's grace. Persuading people to go deeper in their understanding of God's grace. And everyone who believed that they were destined for eternal life. Okay? Everyone who could grasp that, oh, eternal life could be mine. Everyone who believed like that received the message of God's grace. Received the message of the resurrection. And God's word spread like wildfire. There were definitely people who loved the message that Paul was bringing. And then there were those who didn't, right? There were those who didn't like the message he was bringing. They were jealous of the crowds that Paul could pull in. They were jealous of what he was saying and doing and the attention that he was getting. And they liked to stir things up, right? The Jewish leaders, the Jewish religious leaders stirred up in, this, in Antioch. They stirred up a violent mob. They persecuted Paul, and they ran Paul and Barnabas out of the city. Luke says here that when this happened, Paul and Barnabas and all the new converts whined and complained about how it's not fair that they don't have their leader anymore. No, no, that's not what Luke says. Luke does not say that they whined and complained about losing their leader, about losing the one person that could tell them about Jesus. Remember, they didn't have videos back then to learn about Jesus. They didn't have their Bibles. There was no Bible. There, was no, there were no podcasts. There were no Sunday morning church services that were being live streamed, right? They just had each other. And they had the Holy Spirit working in them. And Paul, he didn't complain about it either. He just went on to the next place, right? So the first thing I want us to think about and to look about when we are experiencing those not fair moments. This was an unfair moment for these people and for Paul. It wasn't fair. When we experience these not fair moments, we can experience joy as we embrace eternal life and as we go deeper, as we understand grace, that's what Paul was teaching, eternal life and the message of grace. And through the Holy Spirit, these people in the midst of some really hard times were experiencing joy. So are you having a bad day? Are you questioning things that are happening to you and around you? Maybe there are things in your life that just aren't fair right? Is there any situation on earth that wouldn't be made better or rendered at least a little less severe if we were thinking about eternal life, right? If we, were, if we don't feel good here and we think about eternal life, we're going to feel better, right? Now, I'm not saying that there aren't times when we can where we have to have help and, and, and we go see the doctor, or we go see a counselor. I'm not saying that. But we can turn our minds to think about eternal life and to think about the message of grace and go deeper in it. And we can look at our circumstances and go, uh, okay, okay. And they can be rendered maybe a little less than severe. When we look at the bigger picture, when we look at eternity, when, when eternity gets to the point, thinking about eternity, do you, do you guys, when, if you think about eternity, does your mind kind of go, uh? Like, it just kind of, it just, it can't think about it for too long, right? 
As big as that eternity is, so is God's love. And so is God's grace. Our brains, our minds, our hearts can't quite grasp it. And I think that's where the overflowing of the work of the Spirit helps us, right? Okay. And when we do that, when we can see it that way, I think some of those momentary light afflictions that Paul writes of, I think we'll get a grasp of what, the, what that means in context of our bigger, of the things that we're going through, the places where we feel it's unfair. Okay, that's, act, that's chapter 13. Chapter 14, um, Luke, who's writing Acts, tells us that miracles and signs and wonders followed Paul wherever he went, right? He was, he was doing these miracles and signs and wonders everywhere. And it says that um, he was doing it... At, he was doing these miracles and signs and wonders in order to spread the message of grace. And it's pretty cool. In Acts chapter 14, 22, Acts chapter 14, 22, Luke writes, At each place Paul and Barnabas, each place you know, Paul and Barnabas went, they strengthened the lives of believers and encouraged them to go deeper in their faith. And they taught them it is necessary for us to enter the realm of God's kingdom because the only, that's the only way we can endure the many trials and persecutions that we'll face. And all of this is uh, passion translation. I love it because it makes it easy to understand for us. So my second point is that in our it's not fair moments, we're going to face moments where we feel like it's not fair. In those moments, we can enter the realm of God's kingdom and endure. So I'm sitting there on the back porch of our little place where we are in Asheville, and I'm reading this verse, and I think, okay, God, that sounds cool. Like enduring trials and, and, and hard things in, in, in my life. Um, just so you know, I'm, I'm not sharing this with you guys today because I'm pointing any fingers at you. I'm sharing this because this is what touched my heart. I'm sitting there, and I'm going, okay, God, I, I want to endure. I want to, I want to enter your realm, right? <laughs> but how, how do I do that? What does that mean? What does that practically look like to say, you know, um, I can endure if I enter God's kingdom? And I was sitting there, and I was like, I kind of know, and I'm like, ah. And I thought, oh, you know who teaches about God's kingdom and what it is and how to enter it? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus teaches us about that in the parables that I happen to do with the Grace Kids this summer. And so I want to take just a minute to kind of sidestep Acts and, and go to Jesus for just a minute and look at some of the parables. We're not going to go into any of them in depth, but as a whole, if you were to go to Matthew 13, there are seven parables there, seven different stories that Jesus tells um, to the people that were following him in order to explain his father, because that was what he was sent to do, right? To explain his father and his father's kingdom. And so the first parable that you would read if you would go to Matthew 13 is the one of the farmer and the four soils where the different, um, it actually never says the word seeds in that parable. It's really interesting. It just says that he's sowing into four different types of soil. It's really cool. Um, don't know all that that means, but it's just a little side note. I think it means that he's sowing us <laughs> into these, or his 
message into four different types of soil, right? Uh, the next parable is about a farmer who plants a field and this really good wheat grows and then overnight this really bad weeds grow up beside it and there's people who want to chop all the weeds out and and the farmer says nope hold on a minute so it's about a farmer who sows good seed and then it's about messengers who will do the work of taking out the good from the evil right of separating it when alan was uh young he sat in a church and there was actually a preacher who, who came and, and shared with their church. And at this moment, and this is the, the parable of the wheat and the tares, right? Um, tares are like weeds. And the guy teaching, you know, pointed at everyone and they said, wheat, 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 tear, tear, tear. You know, and a wheat, wheat. And it was like, oh my gosh. The, you know, saying that the preacher had the ability to point out who was the wheat and who was the tares. You know, and I think about that every time I hear that story. So we've got a farmer sowing, a farmer planting. Um, God's kingdom is also like a little tiny seed that is planted and grows into a, a veritable tree that supports life, a tree of life. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's like the kingdom of God is like a little seed or like a little yeast that is put into a little batch of bread. And when it rises... It feeds hundreds in that story when you read it. Um, it says that it, it, the amount that it mentions, it can feed 300 people. So it's just a little bit. So he's always feeding the masses. Um, we're also told that God's kingdom and God, what they're like, is like someone who finds a treasure in a field and buys the entire field in order to keep, in order to make sure that that treasure is his. God's kingdom is like a merchant who finds an extraordinary pearl of great price and he pays an extravagant price like with his own life in order to keep the pearl for himself. And then finally, in, in Matthew 13, the last parable there, it's like a fisherman, the, par the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. God is like a fisherman who casts a wide net, wide and pulls in all kinds, it says an assortment of fish, all kinds of people he pulls in. And again, it's his messengers later that have to figure out who's good, which fish are good and which fish aren't. I love that there's an assortment. We're not all alike, right? In God's kingdom, we're all different. We have different things that we like, different things that we do, different things that we believe out in the world. And yet we can come here and hear the good news that of God and of grace and of his kingdom so that we can go back out and wherever we are, wherever we go, we can take that with us and share it into all kinds of different places. He casts a wide net. In all of these stories, none of those workers, not the farmer, not the fisherman, not the merchant, none of those guys are us. That's all God, right? That's all his kingdom. We are the ones that are just like hanging out, waiting. We're the prize. We're the treasure. We're the pearl of extraordinary price, right? That's us. We're here, and he's sowing into and catching and drawing us into his kingdom. So how do we get into his kingdom? We say, okay. <laughs> it's that simple. We let him 
We receive the gift that he's given. We receive Jesus and his death and burial and resurrection. We receive the gift of the Spirit, right? We receive it. He's the one that has given it to us. And I think Paul here, I think he's talking about that. I think he's talking about that kind of like original receiving of the kingdom, of entering the kingdom realm. But I also think he's talking about when, when we forget where we are, right? When we forget, when we get so caught up in our circumstances and the hard things and the tricky things and the unfair things, we can, we can have moments that we forget that we're in his kingdom. And we can, we can enter it by remembering, by a turn of the head, by repentance, right? By changing our minds and remembering and going, oh yeah, God, that's where I am. Oh yeah, I feel awful. I feel tired. I feel sick. And even worse, my kids are sick. And I can't do a dang thing about it, right? Or my kids are hurting, or my mom is hurting, or my dad, whatever. Other people. Sometimes it's worse for them to be hurting than for you to be hurting, right? Sometimes it's worse to know that they're struggling. And we can get so caught up in it and so downtrodden about it, but we can remember, oh yeah, oh yeah. And in light of eternity and in light of grace, we can take a minute and we can find joy in where we are. And so our it's not fair can be turned into it's not fair. And God, I'm so glad that it's not fair. Um, when I was teaching the kids back there, sorry, I kind of went on a trail. When I was teaching the kids back there, another one of the stories, it's not in the, in the Matthew 13, I think it's in Matthew 20, actually. Um, another one of the stories that I taught the kids back there, and this was probably my favorite one, was the, the parable of the, um, the workers in the field that were all hired at different times but got the same payment, right? So there's a farmer, he uh, hires these people to work in the field all day to for the harvest, and he offers to pay them a certain price. Well, that was like at 6 o'clock in the morning, then about 9, he hires another group because he sees the harvest is plentiful, plentiful. He hires another group. They come in. Then about noon, there's another group. At 3, there's another group. And then finally, at about 6 o'clock, right before the sun goes down, he hires the last group of people. And when uh, the farmer is going to pay them, give them their pay, he gives the guys at the end the guys who only worked for probably a few minutes, he gives them the same wage that was given or that was promised to the first guys, right? And then he goes down the line and he's giving the same payment to everyone. Now, pause there for just a second. Years and years ago, when Alan and I were uh, attending Grace here and we were hearing Clark's teaching about Grace and we were learning about it and we were learning about how to apply it to our lives, we had some friends who... uh, we were talking with and who knew Clark and we're hearing from him, him as well. And these friends of ours said, you know, we believe, we agree with about 80% of what Clark teaches. And I was like, oh, dang, that 20% is really important, right? That was really important. And we were walking through and they were just wrestling and struggling with it. They just couldn't go all the way. They couldn't walk grace with us as we were going. And uh, in one conversation they said, you know, we really struggle 
with that parable, the one that I just told you, because they wanted it to be fair. They were hard workers. They were good people. They had all the check marks on all the right boxes. They were good people. They had done it all. And it was really hard for them to think that there were people who were like last minute getting in. You know, they wanted people to earn it. And I just had so much fun teaching this to the kids. So when I did it, I pulled uh, one girl aside to be, uh, or I chose one girl to be my first worker. And I told her, I said, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to start working. I think I had them shoveling or something like this. And so I made her do this the whole time. I said, when you're done, I'll give you a Tootsie Roll or something. I don't remember. I gave gold coin. I can't remember what I gave them. I gave them something. And so she was like, sure. She starts doing it. And then I pull up another kid, and I have them. Okay, now I need you to do it too. And so, you know, they started working. And I told the story really slowly. So that it really was several minutes that they had to pretend and feel foolish, and they're doing this. You know, I just I dragged it out on purpose. You know, and then I hired the next group and the next group. And finally, when uh, we got to the end, and I told them that, here, I want you to do, do the work too, I just made them stop pretty quickly. I kind of exaggerated it. And I said, okay, here you go. Thank you so much for all of your help. And now I'm going to give you your pay. And I gave them the gold coin or whatever it was that I had for them. And then I went down to each group of kids. And the whole time, I'm kind of watching the end girl. And I just to kind of see, you know, what she was going to do. And I got all the way down to the end. And I gave her her one gold coin. And, and she was like, oh. You could tell she was disappointed, right? Just like the workers in the story were disappointed. You could tell. And I said, so, I said, in light of, like, like all of this, like how, do you, how does that make you feel that I gave you, who's been working so long, the same amount that I gave you know, whoever down at the other end? And she goes, it's not fair. Makes me mad. And I was like, yes. I couldn't have scripted it better. You know, yes, it's not fair. I'm mad. And don't we feel that way, right? It's unfair sometimes. And then I said, all right, guys, what is this story? Why did I tell you this story today? Why did I tell you? And I said, um, what is it telling us about God? And I had one little guy shoot up his arm like this. And he's one who has, usually has some pretty good answers. And I knew the answer I was looking for, right? And I said, okay, why did I tell you this story? And he said, with such conviction... God's not fair that it rocked me. Because I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. Even though he said it with a smile on his face, he said, God's not fair. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, okay, just to cover things up, because right now I'm thinking in my head that he's going to go back and he's going to tell his mom and dad and that's going to get to somebody and I'm out. You know, I thought for sure I was going to be fired. Um, And he says, I said, okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. If, God, if this story is telling us that God's not fair, I thought being fair was a good thing. So does that mean God's bad? And with the exact same conviction, second grader, the second grader says, no, God's not bad. It just means that he has a lot of good things to give and he can give it to whoever he wants. And I was like, dude, 
Dude, he understood more as a second grader about God's grace and God's goodness. He understood that God gives gifts, not wages. He gives us gifts, not wages. He understood that more than my friends who'd been in the church and grown up in the church and who were doing all the right things. Dude got it. And I was so excited. And I was like, oh, what a way to go into this world knowing that God gives good gifts. What's this guy going to do with his life? Knowing that God gives good gifts, not wages, right? For what is it that we can earn? What is it that we can learn? For sin's meager wages is death. That's what we can earn, death. But God's lavish gift is found in your union with the Lord Jesus. We can earn death all day long, right? Only God can give us the gift of his eternal life. So wages of sin is death, free gift of God, eternal life. Which one are we going to choose? Which one are we going to choose? Um, my own works? Uh, his justification, his sanctification, his righteousness. Um, not a hard choice for me. Not a hard choice. It is out of his abundance and his favor and his generosity that God has done everything for us that we couldn't or can't do for ourselves. And remember, what we're talking about here is the kingdom realm. This is the kingdom. This is the place that God has invited us to. It's a place where he's done all the work that we couldn't do. It's a place where he bestows his, his favor and his generosity and his grace. And he bestows it abundantly. When we receive the gift of the work that he's done, it also causes us to be grateful, to be filled with gratitude. Do you think the guys at the end of the line were grateful? Yes. They knew it wasn't about their work. And you know what? That's where we all are. <laughs> we're all the guys at the end of the line. All of us are there. Because it doesn't matter the work that we think we've done. It's about him giving us the gift, right? It's about the gift that he's given. All right, moving on. Acts chapters 15 through 20. So, you know, Paul is going through some hard times. He, um, oh, in, in one point he was actually uh, persecuted and beaten up and dragged out of the city and left for dead. And then a group of believers stood around him and he, it, the, uh, Luke says he stood up, and that word for stood up actually means that he uh, came back to life. It's used a number of times in the New Testament. actually means raised to life. So Paul was beaten up uh, and raised again to life. He was traveling around, meeting people, and everywhere he went, he was strengthened and encouraged the believers. The body was growing. The word was spreading. It was awesome. And everywhere he went, he found trouble. Everywhere he went, he found trouble. He was imprisoned, he was beaten, he was um, unfairly accused, all of the things. And in these chapters, 15 through 20, is kind of where we find out about some of the um, relational 
troubles that he had. And um, somewhere in here is where, where the stake, where, where, where he's got the thorn in his flesh. And this thorn, uh, by the way, isn't like a little tiny rosebush thorn. All right, that's not what, I mean, that's the first thing I pictured. Did you guys ever <laughs> um, break off the, the thorn bush or the rose's thorn bush and lick them and stick them to your nose? Did anybody ever do that? Am I the only one? Okay, so anyway, so when I hear about thorns, my mom was, a, was an avid rose plant lady. I mean, we had beautiful roses, and my sisters and I would break off the thorn, lick it, and stick it to, I, I don't know. I don't know why I told you that. Um, anyway, that's not the kind of thorns we're talking about here. We're not talking about those cute little ones that we can stick to our noses. We are talking about thorns, what this word means. It's like a stake that can impale you. All right, this is, this is the weight of what Paul was carrying here. And here's Paul, someone who had been raised from the dead, someone who caused other people to be raised from the dead in different parts of the chapters. He healed people everywhere, so much so that people were offering him sacrifices. He was so good at the signs and the miracles and wonders, people offered him sacrifices because they thought he was a god. And he was like, no, 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 that's not me. So here's this guy. He obviously, obviously knows the power of the miracles and the signs and the wonders. And he asked God for it three times. Take this steak out of me. Not like cow eating steak. Steak, like impaled, right? God, will you take it away? So probably so that he could do more, right? Probably so he could go farther, Probably so he wouldn't be in pain, right? He asked God three times, and God says, mm, nope. How unfair would that feel to you if you were able to heal somebody else and you can't do it for yourself? My gosh, that feels so unfair. Lord, take it out. He said no, right? Paul could have had something to complain about here. He really could have. But instead of complaining, he says this to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. He says, I will celebrate my weaknesses. For when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of God living inside of me. I am not defeated by my weaknesses by the thorn, right? I'm not defeated by those. In fact, I'm delighted. I'm delighted by it because, not because it feels good, not because he likes it, not because it's there, but he's delighted by it because when I feel my weaknesses and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Jesus Christ, I am made yet stronger. My weaknesses become God's power portal or becomes a portal to God's power. My weaknesses do. To me, what Paul's saying here. Oh my gosh, the miracles and the signs and the wonders, they're amazing. They're the Spirit moving through us. But I also think there's a miracle that happens when we live with 
that thing, whatever it is. When we live with the stake that is impaling our hearts, right? There's a miracle there. And it points to God's power. It taps into it somehow. And somehow the miracle of being strengthened, even in the midst of the worst unfairness, the worst trials, the worst persecutions, even in all of that, God's power is on display. And it's miraculous. And again, I'm not pointing fingers here at you going, I know you have that and you need to, you know, whatever, and you've got that and you need to whatever. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this is speaking to me. This is, this is for me. I've got stuff that feels like an impalement <laughs> sometimes, right? And yet living with it, I can say, okay, remembering his realm and his kingdom and where I am can help me. The answer to our prayers will always be, always be, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in you. So number three, in our not fair moments, our weaknesses can be God's power portal. Can be God's power portal. Let's keep going. Acts 20, Paul is led by the Spirit to Jerusalem, even though the Spirit was telling him that there would be persecutions and chains waiting for him. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm talking to God and I'm praying and he lays into my heart that, you know, if you do this, it's going to be, you know, hard and you're not going to like it and it's going to feel like chains. So I would take that as nope and I'm going this way, <laughs> right? If I was promised something that was hard, if the Spirit was telling me it's going to be hard, I'm going to hightail it the other way, right? That's how our flesh works. But Paul knew. Paul was remembering that power was perfected in weaknesses. And Paul, Paul also felt, also believed that he was supposed to go to Jerusalem. And sure enough, that is what met him there. And he straight, headed straight towards them. Why? To continue to share the gospel and the revelation of grace, right? That's why he went where he went. Did you guys know that cows don't give us milk? They don't. We take it from them, right? I came across that twice this week. Never heard it before. Twice I saw that this week. And I thought, I thought of Paul. While... The work that he couldn't do for himself was done. There was work for him to do. And that work was the sharing of the gospel and the revelation of grace. There's stuff that we get to do that, we, that, that God asks us to do. Those things that he asks us to do, those things are loving people. Figuring out a way to be unified, to be in unity. Because that is how people will go, huh, there's something different there, right? There is work to be done. And finally, my last point, because it's time for us to go, my last point, in our not fair moments, we do find freedom in the wonderful news of God's grace. We find freedom. Paul says this, whether I live or die, 
it's not important. It's not. For I don't esteem my life here on earth, right? I don't esteem my life as indispensable or necessary. Nothing here is necessary. It's more important for me to fulfill my destiny and to finish the ministry of the Lord Jesus, which he's assigned to me, which is to faithfully preach the wonderful news of God's grace. Now, before you go freaking out and thinking that I'm telling you that, you know, you have to be this foreign missionary that Paul was, that's not what he's saying. He's saying what, what God wanted me to do, Paul, what I, what I need to finish is continuing to preach the gospel, all right? And for those of us who aren't preachers on a regular basis, who God has not asked us to do that, where that's not where we are, I would say, where are you? That's where God wants you to share the power of his grace, the truth of the resurrection. That's where God wants us to. Whether we're living or dying, meh, it's not the point. The point is, how are we living and dying, right? Is there someone around you, anyone, anyone in your sphere that needs to be, or that could be strengthened and encouraged by this gospel that we love so much. So in wrapping things up, if you feel like this little girl and it's not fair, just remember that in our not fair moments, when our circumstances are difficult, we can experience joy and embrace eternal life and understand grace. Aren't you so glad that God's not fair? Or if we feel like poor Frodo, and that the burden that we're carrying is just too much, in those not fair moments, we can enter God's realm, his kingdom, and he's carried the burden for us. He's carried it for us. He's the one that destroyed the nasty ring of fire, if you know the, the picture from, from the movies or the books. And in our not fair moments, when we feel weak and afraid, like we're about to be chewed up and spit out by life, we can remember that our weaknesses are God's power portal, right? And we can remember that we can find freedom. We find freedom from tyranny and freedom from being tyrannical, right, Mom? In the wonderful news of God's goodness and his grace, and overflowing with gratitude and joy, with all honor and glory going to our good God, we can say, yeah, it's not fair, but aren't we so glad that it's not fair? Aren't we glad? I love you guys. I hope you feel encouraged. I hope you feel empowered. I hope you remember that God loves you and that everything you can't do, he's done and that gives you the freedom and the power to do others. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being who you are. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the eternal life that we have in you. Thank you that we're all different. Thank you that we get to take this message to all the different places that we go. Thank you that people are getting it. Thank you that it's growing. 
Lord, and we just, with open hearts and open hands, say whatever you want us to do. Lord, the work that is there, we'll do it. Always acknowledging the work that you've done for us that we can't do ourselves. Thank you for empowering us to do the work that you've called us to. Lord, I pray that you bless these people as they go today. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you.